Hello and welcome to the Wingnet Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring them on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Hello, and welcome to episode 70. We are traveling with Kate Wills this week, and she's here to talk about her book called The Trip of One's Own, which I've read, and I might read again. It is that good. This book is detailing throughout history the women who have traveled maybe against adversity and been an inspiration to people like Kate in the modern day age. So Kate talks about those important figures in the past, also about her own travels and her own story. And this podcast episode, we're going to discuss all of that. There's some funny stories, some great tips and a real good vibe. Kate was a great guest. Like she was very casual, very on point, but also very funny. So really suits the podcast really well. And I hope you enjoyed the Camino series last week for episode 69. A brilliant reaction. I mean, it's definitely been my best week yet, ever, in terms of plays, but also people just tuning in to see what the antics we're getting up to each day. Um, I implore you to maybe, if you want to start, obviously start at the beginning, but if you need to know roughly what happened, you can go into the last episode where I'll give a brief overview of some stats and figures and how far we walked and what to take and what not to take and stuff like that. So we're now back on the guest for the foreseeable future. Got loads more lined up to interview. Got loads more in the bank to get out. And I'm thinking about maybe chucking in a few cheeky Patreon episodes as well. Um, if you want to sign up to Patreon today, please go to patreon.com forward slash winning a child podcast. Cost you £4 a month. And I'm going to be doing some bonus content coming in June and July, I think. So... I'll be doing some posts on there as well. You can see what I write and what's coming up. But yeah, looking to get that going now. That's my main focus as Patreon. Please go there. If you fancy it, sign up. You won't regret it. And I'll even send you some stickers as well. Anyway, thanks for tuning in the last couple of weeks. And we're back to the guest on Monday. And let's go traveling with Kate. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Let's get into the episode. Okay, so hello and welcome to the Wing It Travel podcast. And this week I'm joined by journalist, author and broadcaster Kate Wills. Kate is a travel extraordinaire and has just recently released a book over here in the US and Canada called A Trip of One's Own, which we'll discuss heavily today. We'll also delve into Kate's lust for travel, where that came from, and some of the travel history too. Kate has also written for The Guardian, The Evening Standard, The Times, Vogue, and many more. Kate also has a weekly column in The Fabulous magazine on a Sunday, and I'm really looking forward to the chat. Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks, James. Hi. So how are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's lovely to be talking about um, this this book again because uh, yeah, it, it feels like a long time ago that that I wrote it because of pandemic and and baby and um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's really lovely that that travel is opening up again and yes, and, um, and the books it's just come out in the US, so yeah, it all feels like good good timing. Yeah, it's a weird one because obviously you said before to record it there, it came out in UK quite a, a year ago or even more. But for me, yeah. it's just been released over here. So like, yeah, it must be weird to, like you said before, to talk about now, even though it's been there for a while. Yeah, it's nice though. And it's nice kind of hearing how um, US audiences have 
um, responded to it rather than um, UK and 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 yeah and and other places around the world really. So I feel like it's had its own little journey and uh, and uh, yeah, I love getting getting messages about it and I feel like really really touched that people are discovering it for the first time. Even though for me, like as I say, the person that that wrote it, you know, it feels like it feels like a long lost friend, one who was. Yeah much more traveled and adventurous than I am currently but that's you know that's 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 where we are <laughs> do you know what I, I think that's the perfect excuse for people who travel a lot is well COVID for a curveball right who who would have guessed that actually travel will shut down for like a year or two it's, ma- it's amazing when you think about it well it is actually crazy and I was I was um with my daughter the other day in the park and she was like aeroplane and I was like yeah well I remember there was like a whole six month period where there just like weren't any airplanes it was like no one was going anywhere and the whole world was just totally grounded and and that came as such a kind of sudden shock to me someone who had always taken that for granted that I'd Mm. you know able to to travel as I as I pleased and I think as you know as as we all did you know those of us who are fortunate to to have that that time and and money and passion for it so yeah it definitely made me um yeah not not take it for granted um and and to realize like how how important travel is to me like I was saying to a friend the other day we were talking about um you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the things that that, that pyramid of things for me and I'm like travel is such a key one for me like that is what makes me who I am and so the fact that you know I couldn't couldn't go anywhere and was 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 really um yeah it felt really trapping and claustrophobic oh yeah not to take it down too serious here but I was really trapped last year I mean, in the summer this must have been about July August last summer bear in mind summer's great right good weather you could still go out you know it wasn't as, as bad yeah. as the year before but I just felt trapped. I was like, whoa, what is going on? And my girlfriend's yeah. like, yeah, you should probably maybe see someone about that. Because I was like a bit down. And yeah. so, yeah, I went to see someone and, and she said, yeah, I think you got this, what, what you just said, this feeling of trapped and a bit claustrophobic. It's like, yeah, because I can't, I can't casually pop down to the West Coast in the US for a weekend because you can't do it. It's the casual travel, I think. Yeah, you can always plan. We get that. That's pretty easy. If, you, if you're like a once or two holiday person a year like you just do it next year because covid is happening right but when you casually travel like you and i where it's maybe every weekend or every other weekend or something and that's taken away it's quite a hard hit isn't it exactly and i think you know, i think a lot of people felt that you know the the days just sort of blurred into one yeah. and there was no kind of like um you know marking out these sort of um milestones you know travel has always been like that for me you know it's such a good way to kind of um celebrate something or um yeah kind of kind of remember like a moment and Mm. we didn't have any of that punctuating life it was just like one one long blah so yeah it is and especially if you work remotely at home where for me I I was waking up having a coffee doing my work watching tv in the same place same seat that's not good either no that is definitely not good for the (laughs) mental health you need those different landscapes and horizons and um yeah. Yeah, it's good to remember that how important a change of scene is yeah which we'll come to later i've got some questions about that which you mentioned in your book and just quickly before we delve into the book just tell listeners where you are where, where you're based i live in east london um in an area called hackney uh which is which is great i really love it i'm right by the canal and a big park called victoria park 
um and yeah it's it's really nice to call this patch of london home okay uh, i used to live in north ealing and slash uh north acton actually and east acton uh so quite near your qpr routes yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. actually just a 10 minute walk from loftus road yeah really close you know it's so funny i don't think any other us interviewer has asked me about qpr so that's <laughs> I've weirdly got a friend who sports QPR from Norwich. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, oh, do, you, do you hear a funny, funny story actually? Very quickly. Always. On. I I was in the set kits and Nevis in the Caribbean. This must have been oh, 2014, right? Quite a long time ago. Stayed in this guest house, and this lady is really nice. Like she looked after me and she made me breakfast and helped me with stuff I want to go and see. Anyway, this guy checks in. This big guy. I said, like, "Oh, hey, he goes, oh yeah, my name's Bob." I said, like, "Oh, hi, Bob, I'm James." Anyway, at breakfast one morning, watching TV, some football comes on and it's like some some highlights or something. And he's like, oh, do you like football? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, yeah. Who do you support? I was like, oh, I support Ipswich Town. He's like, right. Yeah, I used to play at Portman Road. And when someone says that, you think, oh, they're just trying to be like bullshitting or something or trying to be funny. I was like, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, yeah. Then I played at Wembley in, in the cup final in when did QPR play at seven, uh, 81 or 82 oh. uh, the cup final against Spurs. And then suddenly on the TV, those unbelievably, those highlights of that game came. He went, oh, that's me on the screen. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Bobby Hazel. And Bobby Hazel is uh, a QPR legend. He played in that cup final against Spurs. I think oh he's so cool. one of the player of the season. I had no idea who this guy was. And then yeah. I met, messaged with my mates to make sure like, I took a photo of him. Like, oh, do you recognize this guy? And my mate was like, yeah, that's super Bobby Hazel. I'm like, bloody oh. hell. <laughs> <laughs> this guy was like on holiday together on holiday. and he took me in his car we, we drove around the island for a couple of days he invited me to a wedding <laughs> no way really yeah. like super cool like just a funny guy got some stories yeah so really really strange oh you see qpr bringing people together bringing the hours yeah bringing people together yeah <laughs> we really weird moment but the weirdest moment was seeing him on tv that was just a bit strange yeah that's bizarre isn't it there you yeah go bizarre mm -hmm. i think he knew the owner of that guest house actually that's why he was staying there maybe a family member maybe anyway a trip of one's own so here's my blurb about it i love the fact that you combined your own travel story and also life story with some females in the past who've actually inspired you to travel or the way they've gone about travel like i'm talking about like 100 years ago and obviously more recent but also you chucked in there some tips so you got this like life story of yourself the life story of others who inspired you and then tips about how to solo travel where that could be like how to spend one night on your own how to book a hostel how to travel one place to another how to look after yourself so all this combined i was like engrossed i'm like i'm learning about something someone new that i've never heard of before i'm learning about you and i've got some tips at the end of it in each chapter amazing amalgamation like is that what you planned all along yeah I mean it did sometimes it did feel like it was like a lot of threads to try and keep together and I was like oh my god why have I why have I attempted to do this like is it a travel book is it yeah. a memoir is it a biography of these famous women and I was like oh this is this is too much and and there were there were moments in writing it where I was like <laughs> kind of uh yeah it's getting a bit out of control but um yeah hopefully I'm, I'm really happy to hear you say that it that it worked because I kind of tried to try to keep um yeah kind of keep all those three strands um going um and I think it's 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 better for that because I kind of felt like 
I, I, I don't, I don't think anyone just would want to hear my story. And, and, and these women had such amazing journeys that I really wanted to kind of showcase them. But I, I guess I felt like me retracing, retracing the trips was like a, a nice kind of entry point for people, especially some um, that, you know, were, were quite difficult to get a handle on, like Ageria, say, so the fourth century nun. Mm. You know, there's not that much that that we know about her, and um, you know, her life was obviously so so different and so removed from from travel like that we know it now. So I guess um, me kind of taking that journey to to Israel and to Palestine was kind of a nice way of exploring her story. Okay, and can you give the listeners maybe just a quick summary of what the book is actually about? Like, what is your aim for the book? Yeah, so the book is about a very um, tumultuous period of my life where um, I had just got divorced after a really long relationship, but a very short marriage. So we were together 12 years and, um, and only married for one. And I kind of, yeah, I, I, I kind of had thrown all my, all my chips up in the air at this point. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd ended the relationship. I was, I'd moved out of the the home that we owned together and I was kind of just sort of a bit in in free fall really and not really knowing like what I was going to do with my life or who I was and um within that I I kind of started researching um just just travel generally like I started kind of questioning like why why do we do it such a weird kind of impulse and when did people first start going on holidays and that kind of thing and and from that I discovered there had actually been some really amazing women who had done these pioneering journeys um and I felt like they weren't really that well known or or certainly I hadn't heard of a lot of them Mm. And I think the with the idea we have of kind of explorers and adventurers is always, you know, men and white men, and they're yeah. kind of very, um, you know, it's like they're like polar explorers with like grizzled beards, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, ice in them, and they're like, and, and I'm like, actually, maybe there's like a different kind of um, kind of explorer out there, and um, and so yeah, when I when I discovered these stories, I really I really wanted to to bring them to light, and so. Yeah, that was that was where the book kind of came from. It's all, I think it's a valid point for maybe just across life. Do you think like different things in life about women who are not really known? Like I've talked to well, my girlfriend about this a lot. This could be medicine. This could be inventing stuff. Like you don't know. We don't know really. There might be a lady who actually invented it, but got you know probably got taken away and and classed as a man who'd done it. Right? It's, exactly. it's probably so much that, so that stuff. Time and time again, like if yeah. you and I think they're starting to be kind of rediscovered now. But yeah, like mm. you say, science and technology, like there's often been like women behind the scenes who like just haven't got the acknowledgement. So yeah, yeah I think and and I was kind of surprised that in in travel too, you know, that 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 was the case because um, you know women like we kind of think like God, they had all these constraints on them, and it you know it was like a really rigid idea of what women should do and what they were allowed to do especially when it comes to to freedom of of movement but mm. actually uh, there were some who who managed to kind of just break away from all that so that was just so inspiring to to hear yeah i love that reading your clips of like certain people in history and different types of travel they've done so we'll come to those in a minute um, but before that for yourself where did travel start for you like when you're younger was there a period of time was there a thing that happened 
Yeah, so I think I say in the book that I was actually really bad at travel when I was growing up and I used to get really travel sick and mm. homesick and yeah. um, really love it. But then I suppose I kind of discovered it um, as a lot of like British young people do by kind of going on these like 18 to 30 type holidays <laughs> with my <laughs> friends and like the kind of Thailand backpacking trip um around uni time so I I would kind of do those sort of milestone trips and I had a bit of a taste of it but I think I really discovered um the the kind of passion for it when I I did a I did a study abroad year so I think it's called oh, okay. an Erasmus scheme in the UK and, and a lot of countries kind of do it and basically you kind of exchange with a student somewhere else and mm. and I got to live in California in mm. Santa Barbara which is just like one of the nicest places on wow. the planet so I I really got lucky in that respect and um yeah it just it just kind of opened my eyes really to like how wonderful it is to live in a new a new place and and just kind of immerse yourself for a bit and uh and I did some amazing trips um that year and uh yeah that that really was what kind of kind of kick-started my my wanderlust and and um yeah made it kind of possible for me to to think about travel journalism as a career. Oh uh, yeah, I've got some questions about that coming later on, travel journalism. But also you mentioned a good point there that a lot of people here in Canada, they um they do these like yeah, one year of their universities always in Europe. I'm mm. like, when I was at uni or even my friends getting to uni, I don't either they weren't offered it or didn't or wasn't aware of it or they just didn't want to do it, but I just didn't even know that was a thing. So a lot of people here go to like Austria or Germany or Holland for a oh. year and that kind of kicks their travel us going because they can pop to Europe now for the whole year right you can dip to Spain dip to Italy so yeah, it, it is a great thing if you can do it. that it's amazing and I feel like they don't really shout about it the fact yeah, that it's a yeah <laughs> and I kind of found out about it a bit by chance but subsequently so many people have said god I wish I'd known about that that's such an amazing thing to do so yeah I feel like people should kind of really explore that that option because yeah it's such a special time in your life you know that that age like I was 20 just turning 21 and yeah um you know when when else do you get to like live and study and experience a place for a year um you know with with people your age and yeah it, it was really magical yeah I think you should take advantage if you listen to this and you've got an opportunity especially post-covid where I think we'll come back to this later in the episode I think travel will, will probably I don't use the word reset because people always use it, but I think it would be a good time to go, um, especially with this year if you get to do it or next year, because I don't think it'd be as busy as pre pre pandemic. So it could be a good time to go. Yeah, absolutely. And for the women in your book that you researched, how long did that take? Because there's quite a few in there, and, and at the end of the book, you said you missed some out because you just had you know, due to the book itself. Like, did that take quite a while? Like, was that maybe the most time consuming part of the book? Yeah, I mean, that was actually really hard because the more I kind of looked into it, the more I realised there were so Those. many. So, yeah. yeah, it was like whittling it down, really, rather than trying to find them, which was great. Um, and obviously, as the book went on, I'd kind of find more, and then I'd think, oh, God, should I have done that? So, yeah, it was hard to choose. I kind of tried to pick ones with, like, the more interesting stories, and then also I kind of had to think, like, how easy would it be for me to retrace their journeys too and yeah um you know there there were some that that I would have loved to have done that didn't work out and especially with 
with COVID kind of happening um, bang in the middle of the plans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was a bit scuppered in some of the trips um, and the women that I wanted to feature, but I'm, I'm happy with the, the mix. And um, yeah, I feel like actually, even since the books come out, people come up to me and say, oh, but did you, you must've mentioned this person and how could you have left out Sozo? And so, you know, there are some that I didn't even get to uh yeah. so yeah there's there's a lot <laughs> there's there's a great chapter and a story in a chapter about you going to china which i loved because this i've got some questions about this sort of type of trip so you mentioned obviously before about your upheaval in your life you seemingly had what your friends would maybe call is like the perfect life you're getting married you've got a place you've got your job you're in, you're in london but something's not right so you you decide to obviously change that and then you nip to china and the story that is china is that you this is what I, the way you described this is what i consider the the classic culture shock that you arrived in china you got told to meet um, a group of people at a location but just could not find it couldn't speak the language no english signs like how did that feel do you think you've only had that culture shock once yeah i mean that was definitely the most extreme form of it like i just i it was a really really surreal experience because i think the way the world is now with globalization and everything else it, it is possible to kind of feel an element of familiarity yes. when you travel and yeah. so this was the first time that i absolutely had no bearings or anything to kind of ground me and uh yeah you know i i couldn't use my phone for various yeah. reasons so that that was that presented a whole array of problems I, I I had I don't think I've ever had that experience before or since of not being able to communicate at all mm. or to even possibly work out what the signs mean you know like it was it was really um yeah it was it was like being underwater and and I, I uh yeah I I was drowning because <laughs> <laughs> the, the premise is that you were meeting a it's a, an assignment right with work and uh, your English tour guide for China, I think it's Beijing, wasn't it? You landed in. Yeah. Uh, told you to meet at this certain location outside the train station. The taxi driver dropped you off, and you just thought, oh, I'll just go and walk and meet. But you walked around for about an hour, just could not see anything, couldn't speak to anyone, just did not understand. And you, I think you describe. I think I could feel that you sometimes you get that sinking feeling that it's just not going to happen. I think we've all had that in travel, especially in countries so different to our own. Um, but you got through it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was exactly like you said, you know, and every time I thought I had a lifeline, like I saw like, oh, there's a police officer or there's a hotel. Mm. or there's a, It was like that those avenues were closed off, too. And it was a really uh, yeah, strange experience because I was kind of like, wow, this is actually kind of survival mode now. Because yeah, like, yeah. I don't have any money for like food or water. I can't get a taxi back to the hotel. I should say I'd, I'd um, explain that I, I, I'd also managed to get out the wrong currency. So I had Japanese. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Instead of Chinese <laughs> one. So yeah. I had no money. My cards didn't work. I had no phone. Um, and yeah, like I say, it's just like, when when does that happen? It was like, it was like being a baby. You know, I was like completely helpless and defenseless and I couldn't communicate. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was a, it, the, the amount of time that that was happening was probably like an hour, but it yeah. was the longest hour of my life. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it made me laugh. Also, it resonated with me with when we were like landing in Bangkok for the first time. I was like, wow, what is this place? 
the smell, yeah. the sights, the sounds, people not speaking English. I was actually going to say that. I was going to say Thailand, you really feel like you're hit by this wall of like another culture in an amazing way. Um, and I have had that that feeling other times too. I remember getting off um, getting off a bus in, in Central America, like Guatemala, oh, yeah. and yeah. feeling like, wow, like this is so different. And yeah, you say, like you say, the smells and the people and um yeah just the heat and, uh so I have definitely had those moments but for like full out of body culture mm. shock who am I <laughs> nothing beats China <laughs> I, think. I mean because India is a is a big consensus yeah. but um you know because of the colonial history you know so many people speak English and yeah you know, I think you know lots of signs are in English and so it, even though it's overwhelming in in many respects, um, it doesn't feel yeah just quite so so different and 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 shocking. Yeah, do you think you only get that really once? That real out of body, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I mean it's a funny one, isn't it? Because obviously we when thinking about why we why we travel, we do we you know we want to experience different cultures, yeah. and, and that's that's such a huge part of it. But um, and yeah, and having a shock like that, like it certainly does, you know, wake up your senses and make you feel alive. And, and uh, you know, it's, it, it can be like a really, really wonderful thing. And, and you know, certainly if I was going to go to China again now, maybe I'd be a bit better prepared. <laughs> you might wing it again, you know. Just... Well, maybe, you know, because it, it was definitely a funny story. I mean, I have, I have other friends who have similar experiences in China actually I know yeah. I know one guy who 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 went on a hike um and uh he he kind of got lost and and yeah he was kind of in a similar way like no service on his phone mm. um I think like very little money he had a card that worked but obviously they were like in quite a remote area and he and he went into a hotel and there was like some sort of like banquet going on and he was trying to say to to people he was saying you know no no money no water you know no phone I'm gonna die he was saying that because he's been on this hike and the people back to him were just going no money no water no phone die (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was just like a sea of people saying that to me I was like okay yeah that actually sounds worse actually created a song out of it that's that's brilliant because they had no clue what he was saying they were like this is just absolute gibberish so we're just going to repeat it back to you but um yeah but I think he he, he made it out alive so yeah, he done well there yeah I do yeah. have a friend who lived in China for five years and he said he had to learn a language you just have to um so yeah. he although he taught, he taught English over there he did learn a language and it's impressive I traveled with him a little bit in South Amazing. America and yeah, he like them down. Yeah. yeah and he can communicate with these um Chinese tourists and like oh, wow that's that's pretty incredible that is incredible because it's such a, I think it's such a hard language to learn. Obviously, all the characters are different, but also there's such a subtlety in the pronunciation yeah. and the tones. And that's so that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, fair play to him. Uh, episode 13, if people want to check that one out. Also, you learn a lot about yourself in those situations, don't you? Do you panic? Do you Are you calm? Yeah. What point do you start getting annoyed? Do you actually never annoyed? Like, are you enjoying it? Like, you do learn an array of emotions about yourself, I think. You do. And that's what I love about travel, because I think it does kind of put you in these situations that are, that can be testing and kind of like reveal things um, about you that you might not have um, realised before. And especially travelling by yourself, you know, because you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you are so um, 
you know reliant on 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 yourself so yeah you you kind of all all your emotions and quirks and foibles really come come to the surface yeah and i think it the dynamics interesting whether you're solo or, or in a couple or with friends because you start to realize especially with someone else ah uh, so they're good at that and not good at that and you start yeah, to realize yeah. the, the niches right <laughs> exactly i mean the, the the saying goes right like you don't ever know someone until you go on holiday with them <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's really true and i think like a lot of couples find that right when they go traveling for the first time and suddenly you're thrown into these situations um that, that can be really challenging and um really wonderful as well but it's like yeah what kind of what kind of traveler are you going to be sometimes you don't know until you until you go on a trip yeah, you've got a bit of trial and error, I think, is going to be the way forward for that. The interesting mm -hmm. dynamic for me and my girlfriend is I get annoyed by little things. I can't, mm -hmm. you know, I'm hungry or hangry, if you like, or yeah. I can't get a seat on a bus. Real little things where the big things, like maybe going on a five-day trek, don't bother me. Like, yeah, let's go and do it, where she's the opposite. So little things don't bother, like we'll get through it, but the big things she starts to worry yeah. about because I think that's the dynamic, I think. Well, that's good then. That, that makes you a good team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Other out. yeah you need someone who's going to worry about the big things <laughs> yeah it's like james there's a avalanche heading our way and you're like nah, yeah i'm that. hungry <laughs> yeah. let's, snack. let's have a picnic yeah yeah <laughs> and this story for china was inspired by emily han who lived mm -hmm. in china one of your um people that you researched there where she lived there i think in the 30s and 40s and lived quite an interesting life by the sounds of it yeah, she was so cool. I loved hearing about her. So she was an American um, writer who kind of ended up in in uh, Shanghai by accident in in the twenties and thirties, and it was kind of like this real sort of um, roaring twenties fashionable time for that city. Like they called it the Paris of the East, and so. Yeah, they were having like these wild parties, and she was like getting addicted to opium and taking a Chinese poet as a lover, and she kind of became the concubine of this Chinese emperor. And she was posing nude for photographs with um, this millionaire called Victor Sassoon, who owned all these hotels. So it was a really kind of like lavish, decadent time, <laughs> which I loved reading about. Yeah, and uh, I kind of felt like she is quite free, like just living the life that she wanted to. From from what I from read, what you put in the book. Yeah, exactly. And Great to see. Yeah, that's kind of remarkable, isn't it? Like thinking about like the 1920s, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Hundred, hundred years ago. But in, in a strange way, I kind of feel like maybe it was a bit bit more freeing for women because you know, you had this figure of the new woman who was kind of like, you know, flappers and and kind of able to kind of like be be more daring and bold. And so you were getting this like huge surge of kind of like um yeah like i guess energy and and uh and excitement and so yeah i would have loved to go back to that time like it just sounds so fun and amazing yeah quick question actually here's a question for you what is the golden age of travel if you pick a decade that you'd love Ooh, to travel in what would you pick that's such a good question because i think everyone well i certainly look at those images that you get of like travel in like the 1950s where it's like everyone's dressing up for the plane yeah plane. yeah yeah seems so cool um and yeah and you kind of think oh it's a bit sad now like when we're like all in tracksuits getting on our you know yeah. budget airline it's like 
Not glamorous not, anymore, is it? Exactly. <laughs> but then equally, I think, like, behind that glamour, like, things were so much more restricted. Like, yeah. it's amazing, like, what what we are able to to do. You know, I could like log on right now and book a flight tonight and be yeah. somewhere and um you know the the even in in my lifetime of traveling the fact that you know I can be do so much through my phone like when actually when I was in Tel Aviv you know I had you know just I just landed there and I had like Uber and I had like class pass getting me to a yoga class and I had like delivery or whatever it was so suddenly it's like you can just land somewhere and you just like have all these options like in your pocket Mm. you know would have been unimaginable even you know 15 years ago so that's that's been a big game changer not to mention like all your translation apps and your currency exchange and your bank you know it's like it's 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 never been a better time to travel in a way and actually right now I think because we have missed out on you know yes those pandemic years I feel like people are so hungry for those experiences and and feeling really excited about about travel again certainly around London like recently it feels like things are busy and and that that energy is is back you know festivals and Mm. and and, you know we've got the jubilee coming up and the street party oh yeah. yeah so yeah there's a big there feels like a really good a good um atmosphere what decade would you choose the 15s or now i'm actually saying now now that's awesome yeah like right now like right now yeah i i just feel like um yeah like i've i've certainly never been as excited to travel the new 20s and so not not 100 years ago but this this 20s yeah yeah the new roaring 20s and it's weird because i almost agree because of covid because there's been that gap where maybe everyone's like, oh, hang on a minute, before COVID, we're, we're crazy. Like, Thailand was like, things getting shut down because there's too many tourists, there's not regulated. Japan are letting tourists in, I think, next week, first time in two years. Like, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe this is the time. I've never so. even considered that until you said it, really. And I think we've all, we all are going to maybe appreciate yeah these destinations a bit more and and kind of be a bit more respectful of them like you know we all kind of saw like the the downside of like over tourism and places like venice and barcelona um and you know having had that break from it i feel like you know people living in those destinations and people going to them is going to be a much more you know symbiotic and beneficial relationship and we'll be traveling better and and a bit more respectfully hopefully yeah, and I think for my younger listeners, that'd be great to hear you say that because we always harp on. I, I've been guilty of this in the podcast before, where Johnny Bilby a few episodes ago he mainly done his three books and travel in the nineties, and I was like, oh my god, that's the golden age because pre-social media, pre-phones, you're in it, and you're reading an actual map. If you need to go somewhere, like it's pretty raw. But he was like, yeah, but I didn't think that time. I thought the 60s were. I'm like, oh, yeah, you could keep going back, I suppose. Exactly. I feel like everyone thinks that the, the grass is always greener, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks like the decade before had it easier. And it, it's funny, actually, Elspeth Beard, who, who's the woman in my book, who did that cool motorbike journey yes. yeah. around the world um, in the 70s. And she's kind of saying she was saying, like, I can't imagine traveling now. Like, you know, it would be so strange to be like, you know following a map on my phone and mm. staring at 
screen and I was just completely free and 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 so there is there is that aspect to it but but for me I think like the the benefits kind of outweigh the downsides of technology and travel yeah I agree and also there's a choice you cannot go without a phone and uh a laptop you can just hit the free road and do the I old know. way right and it's really important to do that i think i yeah. i always try and you know even if it's just like one one day kind of phoneless or like having it on airplane mode because yeah we are so we're all so addicted to our yeah. screen um but yeah you do need to kind of immerse yourself in a place too yeah and i think i always read about these like off off-grid trips which i do it does appeal to me i, I do want to plan to do one someday but not not really appealing to me like something like oh, i went off grid for three months no like in the amazon so that's cool but i think what you described there in shanghai uh, sorry in beijing for an hour i mean yeah. if you take yourself back to 90s or even 80s or 70s or whatever that would be like that almost all the time so you got to think yeah. oh can i deal with that every time yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. that would have been that would have been it yeah, yeah. wow yeah Such a point. yeah and then chapter three goes nicely chapter three you sort of mentioned the different types of trips that you do on your assignments like I, it's funny reading about the stuff you get offered to do as a travel journalist and a writer and the different types of people on your trips and the new people of like influencers and the lengths that they go to to get their picture or whatever they're trying to do so you must have been offered some interesting assignments over the years yeah I mean I've done some done some crazy ones it's it's funny I was thinking back the other day I mean I these were like the kind of glory days of, of journalism when I first got into it. And I, you know, I do things like I got flown to New York to get my ears pierced by this like celebrity ear piercer. <laughs> it's like, I can't imagine that happening now. Or, you know, and I, and I would always say yes to stuff. So that's how, you know, yeah. I've ended up like trapezing in um, LA or like, you know, just doing all these all these mad stunts basically um mm. but you know i i kind of i just would was would be like always try anything once you know so yeah 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 uh, <laughs> it, it's been it's been such a privilege to get to explore the world like that and and call it work and um yeah i mean it would be like pinch me moments you know that you know things that i'd never get to to do in my normal life you, you say heyday though like is that yeah. do you think it's changed now then like I guess you're talking yeah. like a few years ago now but is it maybe yeah. not as I, I, do think it's I think I kind of got in just at the tail end of it because um, what, year, what years is this do you think roughly oh so, yeah so I graduated in like 2005 so oh, yeah. like just before just before that recession in 2008 mm. and I think like, magazines and newspapers were so powerful then in a way that they're not now you know oh, like okay. I feel yeah. like now it's like you know social media and mm. you know online has diluted it so much but um yeah the the trips that magazine i mean i i got flown to ibiza for the launch of a new video game and i was like at the closing night of pasha and you know these these kind of mad moments that you know i was like 21 22 so um yeah it was really just like yeah it was like a whirlwind of of traveling anywhere and everywhere and creating a horrible carbon footprint in the process oh god let's not talk about that yeah. <laughs> i think about it every day oh, no. yeah and I mean, yeah you, you mentioned these trips are quite fun aren't they because you said that you get to obviously meet some new or old friends in the, in the industry yeah. and some of the trips can be really organized to the minute you said 
Yeah. But some are quite free. Yeah, it's a real mixed bag and you never know what you're going to get. And that's that's sort of part of the joy of it. And I think for that reason, it wouldn't be for everyone. You know, like some people mm. just can't handle that that level of, um, you know, unplannedness or unexpectedness. I mean, yeah, they're mad. I mean, and, and also like getting sent to things on your own, you know, like I, I would get a call and say, oh, can you go and review this? hotel in the Maldives tomorrow and so I'd be like yeah sure and I'd turn up there and it would be like a honeymooners hotel and mm. I'd be like the only person on their <laughs> own it would be like so bizarre or um yeah just just crazy things with zero um yeah zero time to even really think about it you know Colombia I went to Iceland and just just you know different it would often feel like you know a different place every week it was it was mm. mad so you, you'd advise maybe if someone's in that same situation to say yes especially if you're early days um, just get out so. there and maybe experience the different experiences I think just saying yes is a really good rule for life actually. <laughs> I, I agree even, I agree yeah I even heard it this this week you know like two days ago so it's really diff- different for me to travel now for work because I have a, a almost two-year-old daughter yeah. um and I got a call saying oh you know could you do you do you fact I've got a last minute thing do you fancy going to um the Cotswolds to stay in Soho farmhouse which is these kind of like new little sort of cabins that um the Soho house group have have done and I was kind of like oh like do I it's so much organization now you know I have to find a babysitter for my daughter yeah. I have to plan all this stuff and I was kind of thinking uh and I was like yeah but I've got to say yes to that you know you don't say no so um I I think you never you never regret just like um do it doing that stuff I think it's it's just a nice it's a nicer kind of way to go go through life if you just kind of say yes and then you deal with the the, the admin and the I'm exactly the same <laughs> I said to McGovern the other day that you know if someone said tomorrow let's go and do a three-month bike ride across Africa so yeah I can't ride a bike that well I'll just go and do it like, yeah I'm, exactly you really figure it out when you get there yeah, yeah. of course you, yeah. I guess it depends on the title of the podcast winging it I suppose but yeah. yeah I'm definitely a yes person even for the podcast if anyone wants to come on who's listening to a story I'm like yeah come on like, I've got no yeah no one's I want to hear everyone's story and what they've got to say I'm I'm very much like a free free spirit that. in that way have yeah. you read that book um yes man by Danny Wallace no but I'm now writing that down oh, as a, yeah as a... it's really cool so he kind of as an experiment says yes to every single question he gets asked so which means that you know the the spam email that's like can you transfer this and then like you know people from charities stopping on the street says yeah well you know and so he kind of goes on this fun fun journey just by saying yes to every question it's oh, a, wow. cool, cool, cool that a, bit, a bit like that dice man book yeah. as well you know where he runs the dice but yeah okay yeah i'll check that book out because i think that might resonate to a lot of what i've done in my life i think so far <laughs> and then this chapter you mentioned nelly bly she was like one of the first female journalists you'd say to go out there and get a story and see the world and be like what you've been doing yeah she did some really amazing stories like really like undercover investigative pieces like you know she she pretended to be insane to to do like a report on a on a mental asylum in new york in like the 1880s and uh, i think she even like 
like bought a baby to expose like the workings of the slave trade and things like that so she really like threw herself into the stories um which I loved and her writing is just so funny I feel like Nellie is actually a bit better known in the US than she is in the UK yeah um yeah a few of my American readers like were were well up on her already and um and and rightly so because because she she was awesome but uh yeah she was such a joy for me to to find because her writing felt so modern and fresh in in lots of ways and and uh yeah just really familiar for from my own experiences of doing doing travel journalism now okay and what era was she roughly she was like the 1890s oh, wow. so it was that yeah. really kind of um big period for journalism i think they called it like the yellow press so it was like when all those like free or very cheap newspapers were being distributed and it was yeah. like this kind of big big kind of sensational journalism people everyone was reading it you know like but it was called like the penny press in in mm. london um and it was yeah it was just like reaching the masses basically probably like in the way that instagram is now yeah um, yeah yeah and these journalists were kind of real celebrities and you know for, for nelly Bly, you know women were like dressing like her and there was like a board game based on her journey <laughs> that's awesome yeah she really and like everyone was talking about it so it kind of like really gripped the nation so yeah she was cool and couple that with the sort of like increase the easiness of travel i think railways would have been a massive thing back that sort of period of time so yeah i guess couple that with travel being easier you could arguably say that's a golden age i think johnny bilby said that was the golden age for him but yeah, yeah the exp- exploration of place in the world had never still been seen or recorded so far yeah that's true that 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 whole time around the industrial revolution when mm. you had steam trains and um boats and and yeah people were kind of able to travel much longer distances would have been yeah would have been really exciting but it took ages <laughs> yeah there's so a let's, not, let's not forget like uh you know you'd be looking at like six weeks or whatever to get from london to new york i think yeah um, yeah that's a good caveat and it goes nicely to the next chapter because you mentioned annie londonderry and this is very i still think this is relevant today the importance of traveling by bike and how that was such i read somewhere the evolution of the bike is the biggest component of freedom that we've had in modern times which i thought wow it's mm-hmm. a big statement but if you think about it you can just nip to the next village on a bike and it take you like i don't know quarter or third of the time so this yeah. is a interesting chapter about how she used that for her travels and she called it the freedom machine yeah i mean that re- it really did open up the world just being able to to get on a bike so it's like a cheap kind of mode of yes transport. yeah and, and yeah it was it was huge for for women and you know so much so that like suffragettes you know had the bike as their symbol and um yeah loads of people were really like outraged that that women were cycling and they were saying you know oh it's gonna like make you infertile and give you wrinkles <laughs> yeah worried about what this what this newfound mobility would do for women um and i love cycling i just think it's the best oh, yeah. way to city like if i'm traveling now like like and i'm and i haven't got long in a place i'm like where can i just rent a bike and pootle around because i think it's just this really happy medium between walking which i also love but it it's slow and in a car where things just go too fast so yeah. like the bike is perfect because you can easily stop if you see something you like and it just kind of goes at a really nice pace for me um and yeah that 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 chapter was great because there were some really uh really interesting 
female cyclists even even now who are doing amazing trips and and also just to realize that you know in in a lot of countries in the world you know women still aren't able to cycle you know I think I mentioned in in the book that um you know in 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 Yemen women aren't able to cycle and you know there was a big campaign um to try and you know get them get them on their bikes and people were really like shocked by it I mean in you know Saudi Arabia you need a chaperone to to get on a bike if you're a woman so yeah it's, it's something that I take for granted but it's it's definitely not a given for women everywhere so yeah bikes. it's crazy when you think about that isn't it those I sort know. of rules what year are we in exactly Baffles <laughs> belief yeah totally it's... yeah I can't get my head around it and I think you also mentioned it chapter about even in the modern day when you when you're riding you still get like maybe cat calls or you just get a bit of abuse or a bit of a comment like it's still prevalent by I guess today that people yeah. do still make those those sort of comments that's such a good point and like yeah exactly I don't know what it is about like being on a bike that makes it seem fair game to be harassed <laughs> it's really <Weird>. um, <laughs> cool yeah it's weird isn't it but yeah I think Annie wanted to ride it around the world I think she wants to bike it around the world. And I think she yeah, did. that was that was her idea, and she was kind of um, she came like just after Nelly, so I guess you know it was like this, like it was like a similar kind of stunt journalism idea. And I think the thing with Annie is like she she did do it, but I think she kind of like made up quite. A lot. Yeah, yeah, she got a boat but to she, here. And yeah, exactly. Like, well, and... I took my bike, but I. Uh, yeah, which I'm like all for because I'm like, oh yeah, fair enough, you know. Like, and also the bike would have been so heavy, and she's yeah, like, yeah. got these like full crinoline skirts. I mean, you can't even can't even imagine. Plus, she's like um, a mum of three, you know, like leaving her kids to do this trip. Like, I feel like if that was going to happen now, I feel like people would be like like really disapproving of it. So mm. yeah, it was really interesting to read about read about her yeah i think the point here is i i interviewed my friends michael and marissa who I met in vietnam they're on a bike ride for a year and they made it clear on the podcast like they, they met some people who are biking who are really emotional right i've got to have this amount of calories i've got to ride this amount of kilometers or miles per day and i've got to get to this place like yeah. really really strict but they're like for a year we're like yeah we'll ride but if it's one day where we want to get a bus and put a, put a bike on it we'll do it like yeah, i think That's people got to get out of their mind that it's sometimes for some people it is a competition but actually like they parked their bike up in Croatia and got a car out for two weeks to explore the Balkans and then they came back to it like you can do that sort of stuff it is allowed and I think it's all the better for it you know you don't have to set these like strict rigid rules when you're when Mm. you're doing challenge you know it's like all all modes of transport are are great you know so it's about mixing it up sometimes on a journey you know maybe you set out to do it all by by bike but you know days you you want to do something different and why not and I think what I gathered from their experiences, biking does really open up the what you won't see on the normal path of of maybe like transport that's normal. Like if you, you're taking the back roads biking, you're going to see like so much different stuff and different yeah, people. So cool. Yeah. I mean, it's funny cycling, isn't it? I feel like like you mentioned about like people with all the calories. I feel like cyclists can be quite strict. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. The real like the proper lycra guy. Yeah sort of cleats and it's like but and I think that's what puts a lot of women off actually I think they're okay. kind of intimidated by cycling because you get these like cycle dudes who kind of make you feel like if you're not like going 100 miles an hour and like wearing serious kit then you're not a cyclist but 
you know actually there's a lot of different different ways of, of getting on a bike you know you could even do I did a really fun sidecar adventure oh, in, awesome. in in uh, Calcutta yeah where um yeah it was like a guy on a it was actually a motorbike not uh, a bicycle but mm. and I was like just in a sidecar next to him and he just like zoomed around which is a mad place to drive a bike you know you've got yeah. like cows crossing your path and like, <laughs> lorries kind of overtaking you um but yeah we went to some really really interesting little spots that I think you probably wouldn't have seen by bus or by car or whatever. what is it like in that that little so it's like yeah. a car right like... yeah it was like Wallace and Gromit <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah I I mean you do feel like very exposed especially yes. when, like, yeah. going on like, some big motorways and stuff and I was a bit like oh, like hanging on for dear life but um no it was great like I was kind of just like like lapping it all up you know it was all like going on around me and and plus the great thing about that is that I didn't have to like focus on the road at all because true so I was just like enjoying the um the ambience okay it's interesting to chat to that because I'm not a great biker I, mm -hmm. I obviously can ride a bike I don't mind it but I'm, I'm really rubbish at it in a sense that I get tired quite quickly I think mm -hmm. I've never done it really consistently over the years it's something that I would like to get better at it I think I but I feel like you're not rubbish at cycling you know, it's not <laughs> like a competition is no it? true yeah uh, true. It's fastest like yeah. I just think you know if you if you like it then it's good but maybe you don't like it it's not it's not for everyone is it like it's true I, no, I actually do enjoy the actual cycling part I think yeah yeah I do like it so yeah, I should I do it more <laughs> yeah. chapter five is interesting right we're going to whittle through these chapters just a brief summary of and then I, I implore people to buy the book and read it more but uh, Gian Bade or Badet, who dresses yeah. a man to go travel. This is really interesting about the scheming ways that women back in the day were like, right, I want to go across to America, for example, on a boat, or I want to go and join a trip, but I can't because I'm a female. How can I do it? Well, I dress up as a male. And they yeah. got away with it. Yeah, I know. It seems so extreme, doesn't extreme. it? Extreme. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. What, from what I read, like it would actually happen quite a lot. Um, and in a way, I guess it's like quite a clever kind of plan, like to just kind of get those get those freedoms um mm. a lot of a lot of people in like london a lot of women in london and paris would do it apparently like like put on this male disguise so that they could like walk around you know freely and and walk at night and stuff like that and and another crazy story in that part of the chapter was um a scottish teenager called isabel gunn who was 15 and disguised herself as a man and traveled all the way to canada right yeah you um in 1806 and and worked as a fur trapper and um and and no one discovered it until she gave birth at a trading <laughs> post so i'm just like imagining what that was like for her yeah. colleagues to be yeah. like oh, yeah. hang on a minute mate like what's going on there so yeah there, and, and there were there were loads of them i mean i talk about um yeah jean beret who became jean to uh, yeah. uh to get on her her ship and um you know they they traveled all, all around south america and, and like you say that age of discovering places for the first time and yeah and that that kind of idea and she she yeah she kind of came across some really cool plants she was a botanist and yes that's right yeah, yeah. brought back um bougainvillea to mm -hmm. uh 
Europe. So, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't have that if it wasn't for her. Or, or was that the story when she discovered something, but the name of it was actually named after a man? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I was like, that oh. happens so often. Yeah. Like, and actually it was cool because um, some some scientists now kind of have named something in her honour. Like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Really state that and acknowledge it but um but you always yeah. want to like go back in time and tell her oh don't worry in the yeah. future we realize that's rubbish we, we kind of name something wait. after you yeah yeah we figured it out like, yeah we're getting there yeah 150 years later yeah. still yeah. not perfect but we are getting there yeah no so, yeah <laughs> and so, i think in this chapter you also give um maybe some tips as well like maybe from your own experiences of like i think maybe for india i think mm. you said maybe you can just in certain situations just be a bit more covered or a bit more disguised yeah, exactly. should we say just yeah. to make things a bit easier it's it's an interesting one because when I went to India a lot of, I think I was 25 and a lot of people were kind of saying like oh you know you're blonde and you're going to stick out so much and you're going to get really harassed and um so I did kind of think oh, okay like I really what can I do to kind of make myself like um a bit less of a target but um but now I don't feel feel so like that you know I guess that kind mm. of comes with, with age and yeah confidence um of and now I kind of feel like yeah I can kind of own own the fact that I am a woman in a space where sometimes I am the only woman but yeah it's an interesting one that India trip and and the idea of kind of trying to trying to fit in or just try and be a bit more I don't know, just to assimilate a bit to, to the culture and not stick out so much. Yeah, because we had in India, I travelled with three, two, two friends and me uh, for three months. And we had some people who joined our group and they're pretty much all females. And they said, look, we're not, we're not scared. They said sometimes it's just easier to travel with males because I won't get asked. I won't get approached. Yeah. And like, we will go on our travels again after we finished our little stint where we, for a week we went to one place. And they did they carried on i mean yeah there's like i feel like buses in india can be yeah just i had some bad experiences on those yeah too um and yeah you know it is it is a shame that there are still things about travel as a, as a solo woman that just aren't as easy as they are if you're a man you know like yeah I about things like hitchhiking or yeah. camping out you know that you know men don't think twice about but that you still feel really vulnerable as as a woman doing so yeah I've got some few questions here about because it's hard, it's hard for me to relate because I'm obviously a male and I'm white yeah. and English speaking so I'm almost at the top of the tree in terms of travel but for females it must be there are challenges that I just don't understand because I'm, I'm never going to face them like mm -hmm. and I think you mentioned that in this chapter it's quite a cool chapter to read from my point of view, because I understand more now about the challenges that women go through, especially if they're solo traveling. Yeah, it's kind of always in the back of your mind. I mean, and not even just when you're traveling, to be honest. You know, I think that I was reading a survey the other day about like how many women have been just like harassed on the street in London or on public oh, yeah. transport. And so unfortunately, yeah, as a woman, it's that sort of inbuilt into your way that you view the world and and it's kind of sad that that is the case but I guess I was thinking about it and I feel like as a man you maybe face other kind of threats or dangers you know like I feel like it's funny gr like growing up so I always remember the teenage boys would always be like um you know they'd get 
they get stopped and have their phones marked or they get worried yeah. about like getting beaten up, getting started on in a fight. Um, and as a girl, you never think about that, but you are thinking like, oh, is there going to be a gross guy on the bus or is there going to be a flasher in the bus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's just your your brain is wired to perceive different threats, I think, as a, as a man and a woman. Okay, yeah, interesting. I did get mugged in London, actually, so there you go. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, by two guys. It's a, it's a weird experience because when people think mugging, they're like, oh, it's like really rough. They come up to you and beat you up and they put you in the corner. No, this guy literally said as I walked past the, bu- the bus stop, this is in uh, East Acton, actually, mm-hmm. in between Shepherd's Bush and Acton. And he said, oh, yeah, all right, mate. I was like, yeah, he goes, yeah, you've been mugged. I'm like, oh, what? And then straight away, like, just, like, push me into the corner. <laughs> Real casual. <laughs> Didn't took me, like, a few seconds to realise, what's going on? And did you take your phone <laughs> like, oh. and your money? Yeah, but I, I've said this before on the episode. I was the worst person to mug. I had a page ago Vodafone phone. Love it. I had no money, no cash, just a, a card, I think. <laughs> And an oyster card, and I had my key for the house. And he was searching for ages. And I said, "Mate, uh, you probably robbed the wrong person here. Yeah. You do learn about yourself and those experiences and how to deal with it." The fight or flight thing you mentioned earlier. I mean, yeah, it crossed my mind. Do I fight back? Mm. And then you have to rationalise yourself in that moment. Like, is it worth it? Because he was imitating a knife, but I don't know if he had one. Oh. Like, it was like pointed. So I think it was um, not showing it, but in like this coat into me. So I'm like, oh, not worth it. I'll let him do what he's got to do. He, um, Got caught in the end because he used my Oyster card on a bus and got caught by the camera. So, hey. Wow, that's that never happens, I feel like. Yeah, he danced to a few people. I think he wasn't the, the brightest. Did you mention Espel Beard before? I think you yeah. talked about, yeah, yeah, she was traveling the world on a motorbike, which was a cause of heartbreak and she felt like she needs to get away. Yes, Elspeth Beard. She was really cool in that, yeah, she kind of broke up with this boyfriend and then, um, you know, like unlike most of us, he would have just like sat at home eating hagen She was like, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to motorbike on my own around the world. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she, she wrote a really cool book about that and she just looked so awesome as well. When I saw the pictures yeah. of her, I was like, what a badass. She's like, <laughs> easy ridering it in this like you know 70s harley so um yeah she had some really cool cool stories and it's great because i got to meet her um yes that's know, the one I, I yeah. like some women in the in the book who aren't around anymore she, she's still going and she's still biking and she leads women on on motorbike tours and, so and that was, um yeah one that i was like hoping to do i really wanted to get my bike license and and yeah. and go on a bike trip with her but yeah pandemic kind of got in the way of those plans but it's maybe annoying. at some point <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. is always a chance right and i've got a few questions of the chapter actually yeah. uh yeah what's it like meeting her because obviously all the people you research are probably no longer here and from a quite a different time but now you get to meet someone sort of in a similar time as you but maybe a bit before and talk about experience like like in face to face how was that interviewing her do you think uh, it was great actually because I was a little bit intimidated to meet her because she, like I said she's so like cool and um fearless in the book, mm. in the book. and I was kind of like oh what will she be like in in person she was very no nonsense and uncompromising but has like had such a fascinating life I mean even after she did that motorbike trip she she went on to do some really cool other trips like 
driving across Australia in a camper van with her like baby son. Yeah, yeah. Um, she turned a, a water tower. She converted that into a home, and you know she's she's like really impressive woman, and um, yes, yeah, still still biking, like I said. So yeah, and I wow. Think she's like uh, maybe in her sixties or seventies okay. now. So, yeah, yeah, really not really great to to meet her. And also this chapter you kind of mentioned the struggles of solo travel maybe with a bit of loneliness or you're you're escaping heartbreak or something that's happened in the past and I think I've probably been guilty of this that that you just want to travel to escape but actually deep down it's not going to fix it as per se it'd be a good postponement if you like for that amazing three or four or five months whatever it is but yeah there's that conflicting feelings isn't there I think yeah I get asked about this a lot really because I think it's that whole eat pray love thing of like yes. when you're when you're heartbroken it's like oh this this trip is going to fix it and obviously it doesn't make the problem go away but sometimes I think it can give you a kind of new perspective on on something and it does actually help I mean that's that's always been the case for me I think that yeah you kind of go on a trip with all this baggage emotional baggage Mm. as well as actual baggage and and you do come back feeling a bit lighter maybe I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a wonder cure. Sadly, you know, no, unfortunately not. <laughs> doesn't heal that broken heart in one go. But I mean, yeah, you certainly have a good time doing it. In my interview with Johnny Bilby, he mentioned that his partner at the time died on the on the trip they're traveling, and so I think he had to go through that journey of grief, and it took him like almost a decade to get to a point that ah, oh, okay, I can then finally move on a little bit with with his life. But yeah, it does take time. I think it depends what type of grief you've got, because I think even breaking up with someone is a bit of grief right there's a bit that's what grief is like you are mourning maybe a bit of a sense of loss that you're not with that person anymore absolutely and in an, and in a weird way it's it's kind of got another dimension to grief in that not only is that person not there they could be with someone else you know so yeah yeah of course aware that they're living their life still but they're just you're not in it and so I think that is really hard and I, pe- I think people really underestimate breakups sometimes you know you're kind of yeah, like oh yeah. like get over it but, but they're they're tough and and they really hurt so you know if I you know I get messaged a lot actually by people going through divorce because I've written a lot about that and mm. going through breakups and I just have so much sympathy because I think it is like a really profound and and difficult that can also be a really strengthening experience but yeah breakups can suck tough and I think in this chapter you really go to explain how maybe if you're traveling solo and some tips here about what you can do maybe to keep yourself busy or how to like maybe get involved with like meeting people on if you're traveling solo to maybe help with those feelings yeah yeah there are some great um great companies as well now that you can join like who do trips like for people who want to go on their own but maybe you don't want to go totally solo so they're like just for just for groups of people and I've met some really interesting cool fun friends that way Mm. um and so yeah I just think it's it's a great a great thing to do really to solo travel it's good experience Fantastic. Yeah. And I love the bit, like I said before, you put tips at the end of each chapter so you can maybe read about how to implement that into your own travels if you're listening. You sort of go into the, the sort of like the, the phase, I would say, where in the book where you come into like where I think your own life, but also COVID sort of comes in to throw a bit of a curveball. The one thing you mentioned, that, which is really it hit home for me, was the bit when you come back from these trips, whether it's a short or a long trip, catch up with friends who have got maybe like a the, the generic life of maybe like a house and a kid like you know early doors mm. and it's hard to relate because you've got such different lives at that point 
they will yeah. never understand you solo tripping India or China, that situation where you can't find somewhere and that's it, that those feelings to those guys at the time where maybe they've got a kid and, a, and that, that situation where now obviously you can relate, but the back in the day, it's quite hard to come back from those trips and meet friends, right? Which is quite, it is a real thing. Yeah, I think it is really, really difficult sometimes to to slot back into life after you've been away and not even necessarily after a long trip. You know, if you've, if you've been away and, and had like this profound experience or you've done something really amazing, you know, like a, like a trek in mm. or whatever it might be. And then suddenly you're like thrown back into your, into your regular yeah. life. And it, it does take a few days to kind of figure that, that out again. But I actually kind of learned to embrace those kind of weird, those weird kind of squidgy days that when you're sort of decompressing you know and you're yeah. and you're jet lagged and you're often kind of like um yeah like hungry at weird times and tired and your moods are all over the place and I think once you kind of just like learn to swim with that and kind of just like lean in it's like okay I'm just like experiencing it's like a reverse culture shock I suppose yeah it is yeah yeah that's a great you're way like saying shocked, it. shocked to be home so um and and yeah it's diff- it, it can make you feel a bit a bit lonely and a bit isolated because obviously everyone back home so they've just been carrying on life as normal yeah. they're like I feel like time kind of or your perception of time feels really different when you're traveling and and you know when you're when you're home and you're just doing your normal nine to five like time just goes so quick but when you're traveling it's like you're having all these experiences it can sometimes you've been away a weekend and you can feel like you've you've lived a whole life so uh yeah it just it's just about um yeah kind of getting to grips with that I guess Yep, I had that feeling on Tuesday when I came back from the the Rockies, which was amazing. It's, it's interesting. I don't mind the uh, three days or a week or two weeks. The bit where you are sort of recovering from jet lag, you're assessing what you've done, you're catching up with people. But I think I read an article, it is two weeks, and then you start to think, right, what happens next? Oh, really? <laughs> it's that period afterwards where you think, oh, what's my next trip or what's my next purpose? Because you've always had a purpose in traveling. Mm-hmm, quite a difficult period. Yeah. Because I often find like once you've been traveling, you come home and you do have that like feeling of novelty for your, yes. yeah, your yeah. home life. Yeah. And that's really nice. And you're like, oh, like for me, it's like, oh, a really nice cup of tea. And yeah. All, yeah. all these things that I've missed that I couldn't get. Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, like you say, that that wears off. And then you're like, right, where can I go next? <laughs> yeah. Start thinking about the next trip. And, you know, if you're like us, you kind of always need one, one in the diary to be looking forward to, at least yeah. one. At least one, yeah, which kind of brings me to the end of your book, really, where you talk about your trip to Bali. First question mm-hmm. about Bali, right? Did you like it? Like, forget the st- what happened in Bali, just as a place. Yeah, so I have actually been to Bali and to Indonesia a few yeah. times. And I was really shocked the first time I went to Bali that it was so, oh, my God, there's a Starbucks. Oh, my God, there's yeah. matcha lattes. It was so seems so touristy and talking of over tourism I mean god like you go to Bali and you're like wow um but that said it's still really really beautiful and some of those beaches and um some of those temples are are still incredible and I think for for a certain kind of traveler it's kind of the perfect place right because it's like you want to have um you know that experience of a, of a very different culture but maybe you also you know want to get nice coffee yeah. 
so I do recommend it to some people for that reason but actually um there are some other islands that I prefer much more to Bali so I went I was really lucky in that I got to go to um Komodo where the dragons are yeah yeah yeah. and to Lombok and to the Gili Islands um which I've heard now are actually becoming quite like Bali those yes they are yeah yeah they've they've become really um really touristy too but But Lombok next door is supposed to be like almost not opposite but like very very little touristy very yeah very traditional still like when I was there which was admittedly like maybe six years ago it it was still like people you know you'd see people with like horse and car and like people mm. like cooking on the street and um yeah really really lush um like kind of rainforesty jungle and waterfalls and it's um yeah it's really spectacularly beautiful and um and so easy to get to really to, as well like you know it's not that much further than than bali and um yeah, you can. You know, there's there are so many islands in Indonesia. I think so might, many, isn't there? I think it might have the most islands. In yeah, the... I think so. You're right. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's yeah. Bali's almost like what I see like Indonesia. Imagine going to Cornwall, right? And like, oh yeah, I'm going away for a week. Well, where are you going? I'm going. I'll go to Newquay. Oh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why I think Bali's exactly. like Indonesia. And there's great things about that, you know. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. Bali, yeah. Newquay, Indonesia, <laughs> but but you know, with more monkeys and oh god, and yeah. <laughs> yeah they nicked my crisps when I was there I was yeah. um yeah I, I didn't like Bali that much but yeah no. maybe willing to give another chance but I I would go to Nice and check out the other islands that are way less touristy and more authentic I think, I think. so I think so and so much cheaper and just oh, like yeah of course yeah like I can't believe how cheap some places in Indonesia are it's such a great backpacking option yeah um, but there's there's great things to enjoy about Bali too to be yeah fair. And in Bali, you had your moment, I guess you would say, where you had a wish, a blessing, yeah. and a baby come into your mind. And this yeah. is where Guy comes into it, which I guess is your now current partner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I, I get I get the feeling I get to know you in this book. That's why I liked it, because I'm oh, hearing about like all the other people that you've mentioned and researched, but I get to hear your story, and you kind of add bits in each chapter, like to, basically towards, I guess, where pandemic hit, I guess. But yeah, so this is the point where maybe Guy is starting to maybe come back into your life a little bit and you had the blessing of the baby, like you want a baby, which is a bit of a surprise for you. And yeah. Massive, massive surprise. Stop. Yeah. Massive surprise. So that, um, that was something that I never thought was on my radar having kids. And, and it feels quite weird, I think as a woman to, to say that because, you know, mm. society really kind of tells you otherwise. And, you know, I thought, yeah, you know, I'm traveling and this is going to be my life now. And then, yeah, when I was in Bali, I, we went to this amazing temple. So so they said, oh, you know, do you want to come to a temple? And I was like, sure. And expected it to be like, you know, one of those kind of like ones from Tomb Raider, you know, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the columns. And actually they like just took us down this little path to the sea. And it was like the waves were just like crashing against the rock and they just like set up these kind of like little, little altars and mm. 
with the if you if you've been to bali you'll know that like on every kind of corner they have these these shrines and these altars so yeah and there were some priests and and they kind of did this sort of ceremony on me which normally i would have been like oh i'm not gonna do that but i was like feeling like <laughs> yeah, i'm just gonna go with it why not and so it was a real um real moment that they were like you know you make a wish for what you want and and yeah into my mind just popped popped baby which i was like whoa where did that come from <laughs> yeah and it just so happened that around this time, um, yeah, a guy who was kind of my rebound person after my yes. divorce, or so I thought, mm. um, yeah, we kind of got back in touch and I started to think, oh, maybe that could be something more. And um, yeah, like I say, you know, cut to three years later and here we are with our two-year-old. There you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert if you haven't read the book, but yeah, it kind of, yeah, it all, all worked out in an amazing, amazing way. So yeah, that, that was never the journey that I thought would happen when I started to write the book, but um, yeah, it was quite an unexpected uh, destination. They're quite exciting though, right? Because people do know what they're doing in the next five years. Whereas <laughs> I guess people maybe, I'll say a bit like us, but like who travel a lot, you don't know where you're going to be one week or one month to the next, and you don't know what's going to happen. So it's not as straightforward as that. Yeah. And I, I love that actually. I would really recommend that to anyone who is like, <laughs> just like getting together with a partner and then we basically like got pregnant almost straight away and it felt like such an like a wild adventure you know like it's funny because like I guess in some ways it was like settling down quote unquote but it never felt like that because it just mm. felt like oh god this is mad like um you know we're we're together now we've moved in together now we're gonna have this baby and it's just like this it, it was just like the biggest trip. So I, uh, yeah, I would encourage that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you mentioned Juanita Harrison, who in this chapter also mentions about being okay with things that happened in the past. So I think you said you took inspiration from her because, you know, you can obviously re replay those moments over and over again in the past, but actually you don't go over it, but maybe she inspired you maybe to think, oh, do you know what has happened? Let's just deal with it. Yeah. And accept it. She was really cool. I don't know how well known she is in the US but um certainly I she was new for me and she was like 16 yeah. when she did this around the world trip and um she was like um one of the first black women to like write a travel memoir yeah and um she was kind of like from quite a poor family in Mississippi she'd been basically like a, a maid before she went on this trip and uh yeah her 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 diaries her memoir is is just really kind of like full of like uh, excitement and exuberance for for travel and she's kind of just like really chilled out and then she just like yeah I'm just gonna live in Hawaii she just like gets a tent and a pineapple and a hula hoop she's like, this is <laughs> so me now. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm like awesome like go go for it it's so carefree and uh yeah I think we could all be a bit more like that yeah I think she's the one that might be gonna check out first I think out of your book yeah oh, so good. I think she's the top of my list to yeah, kind of read her stuff you should read that that memoir because um yeah I just can't believe that it's not like a you know a movie or that she's not yeah like yeah name you know because like how how cool is what she did and it's also it's really it's a really fun read okay and then just to finish the, the book off before we go to some travel questions and stuff yeah you mentioned I think at the same time you have Guy COVID's happening you turned down a trip to Antarctica um, which was a big one because obviously you're a yes person like me so that yeah. must be difficult to turn down that once no i'm not gonna say once in a lifetime but at the time a real good trip to go on a yeah. experience 
I know. Yeah. Heartbreaking. It even seems weird when you say it back to me now. I'm like, God, did I really do that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, God. Yeah. You know, yeah, that there there are always going to be like the ones that got away, you know? Yeah, of course. There have been a few, a few like that um, Mm. that I said no to, but you know, that's, that's life, isn't it? And you just take, take one path and you can't, can't do it all, but you can try. Yeah, you can try. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you mentioned a couple of other great women in here. Aloha Wonderwell, great name, where she got some like dangerous situations. Freya Stark as well, who's the opposite, maybe not opposite, but like she is calm in situations like that. Mm. And these people kind of influence you how to behave in situations where you're maybe in a dangerous situation or you need to be calm so they were quite inspirational on that front Mm, yeah absolutely I mean there's they're both amazing I mean Aloha was like um driving around the world in a in a motor car in like the 20s I think she Mm. was like 15 when she when she started doing that in a a model t ford making movies in in south america and then freya stark obviously like a kind of like really classic well-known um travel writer going to like iran and um places like that in the middle east in the 30s and Mm. uh yeah these women just like so intrepid and inspiring and yeah face like really like genuinely perilous situations not like you know me just being crap in china and not having, <laughs> you know that was like as as dangerous as it got for me but they're like meeting assassins in the valley of death and um so that was yeah that was kind of uh yeah good to good to remember that you know people have had it much time. there's always someone doing something more right you gotta remember that there's always yeah. someone doing something more dangerous or more daring yeah. or keeps going up you can't exactly. I guess worry about that sort of stuff and then yeah you kind of finish I loved actually Virginia Woolf's cheekiness we talked about this earlier about ways to travel and she mm-hmm. would say she's going out to get a pencil and that would be her escape to go and walk around London yes. sort of yeah, like that... of lust of I guess travel like wanderlust want to get out there and explore I, I love hearing and kind of reading about that oh yeah that's so good that you've reminded me of that actually that excuse to get a pencil because I feel like God, since becoming a mum, it's almost like you do need like a reason to go on your trip. And it's, yeah. it's funny because I've been, been writing about, about that, like how travel has changed since I've become a mother. And, okay. you know, like, and, and you know, it's kind of, it, it is a hard one because you feel like, oh, do I need to say, oh, it's a work trip? And then that kind of makes it okay and legitimate to leave my daughter. Or, you know, can you just say, you know, actually, I just, I just want to go for me and just yeah, like, yeah. have a yeah. holiday without my kids so yeah you do kind of feel this this um duality um when you become a mum it's a it's a really weird one to explain because I thought it would never happen to me I Mm. thought I'll carry on I'm just gonna go on trips and then suddenly you have this person that you actually don't want to be away from it's really weird but um yeah we're lucky in that we've we've done some great trips with her so yeah yeah yeah, absolutely fun fun aspect of of travel for me like a new a new way of traveling really and uh yeah that's kind of been nice to experience too yeah but like nan shepherd right who explored her own like patch yeah she went traveling as well but she really wanted to stay where she was and explore all the local areas so a bit like you where you you can explore london because london's so big right you must be able to go somewhere new like every day it's oh, all crazy. the time! All the time, I'm like discovering parts of London that I've never been to, and I grew up here. Um, that's the great thing about it, and and I think lockdown was really, really good for me in that respect because it kind of forced me to 
see things on my own doorstep and like even within the UK you know like there's parts of Scotland parts of Wales parts of yeah Ireland that I I don't know very well and I think we we do get kind of tempted by these exotic far-flung destinations but actually you you forget what's in your own backyard sometimes so um yeah pandemic times were were pretty good in that respect Scotland for example I'm like why have I not driven the 500 road in Scotland what was that? Yeah. What's that about? Like, imagine you take your daughter there. I know it's so beautiful. Like, just isn't it, say, you, can, you can even say in a boffy, maybe if you if you want to go. No, I love those little and... boffies. Yeah. I did such a great trip to Highland, and I just couldn't believe it. It was like being in New Zealand. You know, yeah. it's like that kind of landscapes, and I'm like, God, this was like a few hours away from where I live. Like, it's it's bonkers. Um, so yeah, definitely want to go back to Scotland um summer's i think such a nice time to be there or, yeah or, all that color and um you've got the festival in edinburgh and, true um, yeah i i i actually and there's some really amazing hotels there i don't know if you if you've heard about the fife arms which is owned by um you know hauser and worth the couple who have the galleries around yeah. the world yeah so they've just bought this this hotel in this like tiny little village in the highlands called Braemar but it's like full of amazing art so they've got like Picasso's wow. and, <laughs> and stuff and it's just like this like bonkers boutique hotel in in kind of like the rural Scotland so yeah that's a good good tip if anyone's heading that way. I imagine Scotland's got those like little hotels dipped around all the countryside and there's like tiny villages amazing has to be explored so I think the the keynote from this bit is explore your own place or your own country or in Ireland, right? Because there's probably got some good stuff in there. And you're right, you, you do kind of like always think exotic. I want to go to Bhutan, which I do, but I'm like, ah, oh, but I need to go yeah. to Scotland as well. There's going to be both, right? Yeah, I know. There's time. Hopefully there's time for both. Yeah, Bhutan would be amazing, wouldn't it? It's like that's been on my list for a long time as well. It's one of those ones that you need to be quite organised, I think, to make happen. It's going to be different. Yeah. And you yeah. need to like plan it. But um, yeah, sounds really special. I don't know if you like this, but I don't do tours that much. I don't mm -hmm. I've rarely done one actually, so it'd be quite a new experience for that. Interesting, yeah, interesting to hear how you find it. You'll have to let me know. Yeah, it's funny. I don't tend to do tours either, but I think there are some places where it can really actually make a difference and make yes. for a better experience. Um, and yeah, and, and why not? I think we kind of like can be quite snobby about things like that. Yeah, I think that they're not going to be good, but actually you can get a lot out of that way of traveling as well also it's, it'd be a relief right you can just like not for once have to figure out in shanghai where to find this place no, some guy is there and he's taking you around yeah exactly probably really <laughs> relaxing yeah you might, get it. you might be like i only want to do tours from now on well a lot of people do tour they, they backpack and they do like these like amazing adventures right and then they suddenly they're creating tours and selling them right so there must be a big maybe it's good money because people do like to do tours but yeah there's a different dynamic there That's a good idea i think yeah and and to do you know tours that aren't you know what you think of like everyone follow this flag and get on the coast yeah you, know? you can be real niche for it can't you Bit different kind of yeah sort of experience for people okay great book so anything you want to say just to finish off on what we talked about your book like where can we find it for example 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's just available in all good good bookshops and Amazon and all the all the other online bookstores. It's it's out there. <laughs> yeah, so US and can Canadian listeners, I do have a copy, and I'll also put this on social media when this is released. But it is available on Amazon, so you can check it out there. And I'll keep you posted if I see it any, anywhere else, and I'll put it in the show notes so people can access that as well. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And we're going to finish the episode with some questions. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> That's actually my favourite part sometimes because like, I, I, love, I love to hear people's like quick fire reactions. So I've got a few questions from social media and I've actually got a question myself. What made you write the book? What actually inspired you to go, I'm going to write this down and get it out there? Yeah. Oh, God. It, I mean, I think everyone wants to write a book, right? <laughs> That's the honest answer. I was like, I really want to write a book. Um, no, it was it was actually just finding out about these incredible women, thinking, why don't more people know about okay. them? I really want to tell their story. That was the main reason. Okay, cool. And I have a question from the Concerts That Made Us podcast, uh, my friends over there, who said, what is the one place that you've been to that you would never return to? Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah. I always it- get asked. What's your favorite place? And I thought you were going to say that. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It's tough because these podcasts are always about the good things right in travel. There must be one place that you might think, nah, or not. Maybe not. God, I mean, I feel like I didn't have the best time in Beijing for those reasons. Okay. (laughs) And it was also like, for me, it was just like so many motorways and like so trafficy. But I feel like it was, it was maybe a bit unfair because I was in, <laughs> I was not in the best place mentally but um let me think it's really hard because I always find places that I things that I like about place oh no I've thought of one this oh is a here we go one. so yeah. when I was I was getting the bus through Central America and I kind of was like I'm in Guatemala and I, I've heard that Nicaragua is really cool and has like yeah. surf spots and things so I'm just going to get the bus down not really realizing that I was going to get the bus through El Salvador the de- most dangerous country in the world and um when I got off the bus there it was really edgy and sketchy and people spat at me <laughs> and oh, there were like people just openly carrying guns and uh it just yeah. generally felt really lawless and um I was like I need to get the next bus <laughs> like down out of here ASAP um so yeah I would not want to go back to El Salvador anytime soon okay that's interesting final question for this bit is from social media is what made you get into journalism and or travel journalism specifically was it wait have you always been a writer like that I think that's that that sort of question there yeah I I always loved writing and and reading especially reading magazines and um yeah so I I journalism was was kind of like such a such a dream job for me and then the fact that it kind of intersected with my passion of travel um was was really kind of how it how it came about but it's you know it's really tough to make a living just from travel journalism so okay it's it's kind of been key really to do other kinds of journalism too and and um other kinds of writing so i always say that to people who who ask about getting into travel journalism is to make sure that's not your only niche oh got it okay yeah any like advice yeah. to starting out for people who are maybe listening because i had a few journalists on before like is a like, is it right mm-hmm. blog is it like maybe posting 
something a week like what do you say is a good start yeah I think blogs are great because it's developing your writing style and it can kind of show it off to editors but I yeah. think if you've been to a place that's maybe a little under the radar or hasn't really been okay. written about much then you should you should pitch it to travel editors because you know, they're always looking for always looking for new voices and um especially for for places that that aren't so well known so and, and if you've got an interesting angle um you know don't feel like because you're not a quote-unquote journalist or an author mm. that you can't you can't just suggest these articles and and write them just start that's what I did when I was a student you know that's how I started yeah so. just start it's not like podcasting just start it yeah just, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely <laughs> winged at the start like I, I had no idea what I was doing but you just learn on it learn as you go every week right and you kind of build your skills exactly it goes back to that thing of like just say yes like just go for it yeah i think once you start you're already ahead right i think that's the saying isn't it once once you start you're already oh, I you know you can always that. think about it can't you? you can always think oh i'm gonna do that but if you start you're already ahead of that so just start and then learn on the job to persevere things don't tend to happen quickly so you need to keep doing it for a period oh, of time i like that that's yeah that's a good one to remember for me because i'm so impatient so oh tell me about it <sighs> bloody hell <laughs> <laughs> I to yesterday. And then also we're going to finish with the generic quick fire travel questions. These are normally quite random, but I do sort of stick to the same ones. Hey, yeah, just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I have added in that travel must haves feature to my Patreon. You can sign up for four pounds, seven dollars, 50 Canadian, six US dollars a month. And this will give you an extra bonus episode per month. Ad free content, 24 hours early access to the episode. You can get a patron shout out i can also maybe get some ad hoc podcast episodes that i might release during a month and you also get some free stickers that i'll send to you in the post if you're interested in that head to patreon.com and forward slash winging it travel podcast and you'll find me there i just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast you can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with five dollars or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with t public where there's plenty of merch available to buy such as t-shirts jumpers hoodies and also some children's clothing thirdly which is free you can also rate and review this podcast on apple podcasts spotify Podchaser, or good pods also you can find me on social media on instagram twitter facebook and tiktok simply just search for winging it travel podcast and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling podcast and other stuff thank you it's travel question time. Three countries that you've been to that are your favourite. Mm, okay, India. Yeah. Um, America. Yeah. And let's go with Spain. Wow, Spain. Mm. I'm also going there in a few weeks. Okay. Oh, great. Whereabouts? Going to do one of the Camino trails. Oh. In the northwestern part where Muxia Sea place with sea and Fistere. it's like just by portugal northwestern corner oh, oh that would be so beautiful can't and wait bit of northern spain nice yeah 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 it's new for me that okay what about three countries that you've not been to but are on your hit list okay so bhutan we've talked about yeah. that's definitely up there japan not yeah. made it yet and um hawaii oh well that's not part of america <laughs> 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 I've actually got terrible geography. Um, so Japan, Bhutan, and 
maybe one a bit closer to home that I've not made it to. I'd really like to see a bit more of um, Eastern Europe because I've heard that's really beautiful. I've okay. not... I've been to like Serbia and um, Hungary, but I'd quite like to go to somewhere like Albania or Bulgaria. Yeah. That's two. That's cheating, but yeah. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I talked about. I went to Ukraine back in the day, and that's all. Wow, think the difference now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that's oh, that's such a shame. What's happening there? And I've heard it's yeah. really like a beautiful place to visit. So. Yeah. Hopefully, when it's settled down, people should should flock yeah. there to go and visit it because they yeah. would obviously need that tourism, but also they are amazing people and it's an amazing place to visit. So I would recommend that. Love that amazing food and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People are just incredible. Yeah. Okay. And do you have an assignment coming up, like maybe like a travel assignment? That are you, are you allowed to say what's next? Yeah. So I'm actually off to Ibiza next week. To write about Ibiza as a family destination, rather ah, than angle, birthday. yeah. So yeah, be be a different different experience that one. Um, that's my next trip, and then what else have I got lined up? I'm hoping to get out to LA as well. Oh yeah, um, I want to see my my American cover of my book. <laughs> oh <laughs> okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I love la and uh, it's my it's my kind of spiritual home so yeah, yeah that will hopefully happen at some point over the summer we went there this year and that was awesome i love to go back you like it i feel like it's quite a marmite destination yeah and i, I actually it. went there with lower expectations because oh, okay. people always say no you're not gonna like that it's too yeah. big we, need a car. we didn't have a car and i thought we walked quite a lot but we saw quite a lot so i was it's happy with that well i think not to have a car there now it's like it's, it's getting better it's definitely getting better. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's a weird place, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's never one of those places that I say, nah, don't go to. It's definitely a yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about one country that you've not lived in that you'd love to live in for maybe a year? Oh, that's such a good question. I'm so hampered because I'm terrible at languages. So um, <laughs> that kind of closes off quite a lot of the world to me. But if language was no Yeah, language is no, yeah. I think I'd love to live in Italy because um, I just love the food and uh, the weather and yeah just always kind of like the vibe about it I feel like I could kind of yeah I could I could see myself living living happy happy life <laughs> on the farm in Tuscany oh <laughs> glass of wine cheese yeah hit me up yeah big bowl of pasta oh yeah Italy's a popular answer mm-hmm. I understand why what about a favourite beach? Oh, so the best beach I've ever been to is a place called the Andaman Islands. Have you heard of those? India. India, in, that, in between India and Thailand. But yeah, it's like, it's over there, there, isn't it? And they're, they're quite hard to get to. They're one of those places, a bit like Bhutan, you need a permit and you kind of need to yeah. be a bit organised. But, oh, my God, when you get there, they are, like, incredibly beautiful. And, like, I think because they are that bit trickier to get to, they're really unspoiled and not many tourists. And um, when I went there, which was about 10 years ago now, they had this elephant that swims in the sea. And actually, I found out that that elephant's now died. So that's oh. sad. But it's in, a, it's in a great film called The Fall. Have you seen that film? No, it's in the series, The Fall. No, yeah, different to that. It's, yeah. I really recommend that as a okay. movie recommendation because it, it was cool. filmed a lot in India, but all over the world. And it's just a really beautiful film. 
Okay, I've noted that down. Uh, anyway, the questions on this, yeah, crazy. Yeah, the, the swimming, um, the swimming elephant is in that, is in that film. <laughs> okay, yeah. we'll watch it in, in its memory. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, do you drink coffee? Yes. Right, two prong question. Okay. You have to pick one city in the world to drink coffee and watch the world go by. That's the first question. Ooh. Second question is, do you have a country's favourite coffee? Okay, so Melbourne would be my city to drink coffee. Yes. They do the best. Yes, yeah, so I, I used to live in Melbourne. So that's, uh, oh, did you? Yeah. So you know that that is like the yeah. epicenter. South Melbourne is the place to be. And then in terms of a country's coffee, I mean, I'm not like a coffee connoisseur, but okay. I feel like when I went to Colombia, oh. uh, they had some of the best coffee in the world there, don't they? And I went to some yeah. really amazing um, coffee, are they called plantations? Plantations, coffee? yeah. Coffee, places where they where they grow and, um, and uh, harvest the coffee. But what was actually really depressing, I remember, is that when I went there in, in I think it was in Bogota, they just opened a Starbucks and there was like oh, a queue, no. there was a queue around the block. Oh. <laughs> Because obviously everyone was like, oh, it's like really like new and like, you know, cool. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, you've got the best coffee in the world. Oh, uh, so that was a bit of a sad. That's devastating. Right. Is that it's been Starbucked? Yeah, uh, that is a good verb. I mean, I just, I kind of feel like, yeah, sometimes you need a Starbucks. I was <laughs> For the aircon. Do you know what, Starbucks, I, I, I'll do one thing. In Puerto Rico, I had the best cake ever in a starbucks i'm putting oh this on record God. i love puerto rico isn't it yeah. such a gem gem um, there's an oreo cheesecake in a starbucks with aircon i was mm. like this is the best situation 10 minutes ever yeah yeah and sometimes you just need the free wi-fi yeah you need the aircon you need the like <laughs> drinks menu that you can understand i mean don't knock it you know i can't so believe i'm i'm Bigging them up here. That's an absolute disgrace. <laughs> <We need that. laughs> yeah, you're going to get some sponsorship. No, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, not, but hopefully not in Colombia because they've, <laughs> they've got better coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Okay. What about a favorite city? Do you have a favorite city that you've been to? Oh, I mean, it would be LA. But I feel like I've already bigged that up. So um, New York is maybe close second for me. I feel Great like city. there's always something exciting happening there. And you like, it's a really good city for just stumbling across stuff. You don't need to like be like planning and booking. It's like yeah. you can just walk around New York and you'll you'll hit something exciting and fun. Yeah, love New York. Okay. Are you much of a trekker? Or, uh, you love walking, actually. So this can be a, a, a good question. Is a trek or a walk, do you have a favourite? That you love doing yeah okay um like a specific one mm, there's so many that i've been on that i loved i mean i did a really amazing hike actually in colombia in um tayrona national park and okay. that was just so beautiful like you know like waterfalls and like amazing like kind of like monkeys and exotic birds and um just really, really cool plants. So yeah, I feel like I've talked about Colombia a lot now. It's like the front of my mind. Yeah, yeah. That Absolutely. Was a, that was a nice one. Yeah. Okay, I'll put that to the list. Okay, mm. what about this? Would be a good question. I'm looking forward to hearing this answer. The favorite party place that you've been to? Ooh, I had, yeah, I mean, I did have some fun nights in Ibiza, but I actually, I don't know, I love the party scene in LA and, I, and a lot oh. of people would be like surprised at that, but. 
I feel like they've got some really great dive bars when yeah. you're in like Silver Lake Echo Park. You've got like really cool clubs. Like there's some like kind of seedy weird ones like in like West Hollywood and like love that. And then you've also got like mega house parties when you go to like the hills. And... Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you've kind of really got a good night scene there. Um, so yeah, let's go with LA. Yeah, that's good. Happy with that. And what about a landmark? Maybe it can be man-made or nature. Oh, a favourite landmark. I feel like often when you go to these like big landmarks, they're a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. But for me, the Taj Mahal was like, oh Agreed. my God, such a, such a moment. Yeah, it wow. really is like so beautiful and or inspiring because you kind of, when you, the, the town around it is a bit of a dump. Agra. Oh like, yeah, don't, don't, don't spend any you're time there. Of, yeah. Yeah, you're feeling like, oh, and then, you sort of walk through a bit of a kind of tunnel like a covered kind of walkway and then it just opens up and it's like in front Amazing. of you and it's just like yeah it's it's sublime i think that'd be number two for me i put the chrysler demon number one but i think that would be number two Taj Mahal. Yeah, i've not been to brazil but i think that Ooh, i that think would love be, it yeah that would be that would also be a good party city rio it is well. rio is a top notch yeah. <laughs> get there Okay, this is a quite important question. Do you have a favourite cuisine or food internationally? Mm, I love Thai food. I need Italian someone to say Thai. Food. Like, if I was going to have it, like, every single day, I feel Italian is good. But, uh, yeah, Thai food, like, so yeah. many flavours, so many, um, like, just really great dishes. And, it's and like, I feel like even the street food, like, it's so cheap, so fresh, so good. Yeah, agreed. A couple more questions. But maybe favourite activity. Have you done any high adrenaline activity that you... Favorite activity. I mean, I do think walking, like you yeah, can't beat I, I it. You know, yeah, yeah. free. You don't need any equipment. It's the yeah. best way to see a city. Headphones on, or even yeah. with someone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Walking. Not very exciting. <laughs> hey, I take it. All good. Uh, what about a favorite lake? Ooh. Okay. So I did go to a really good lake. Okay. I'm so bad at thinking of like, was that a lake or the sea? Was <laughs> the <really> sea. <laughs> um, tell me some lakes, James, that I might have been to. Lake <laughs> Moraine. I'm having a mental block. Like Lake Louise, Lake Moraine, Bikal Lake in Russia. Uh, oh, lake, lake Como. Lake, lake Atatlan in Guatemala. Ah. Oh. Yes, I think I've seen pictures of that. That looks, it's, I think someone posted the other day actually on my social media. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I mean, it's huge. So, yeah. you know, there's lots of like little villages like alongside the lake. And um, yeah, that was a long time ago I was there. But yeah, that's a good lake. Okay, cool. I've got three questions. One's like not really a question, but just information. The penultimate question for these is maybe a country, the best value for money, do you think that you probably have realised that it goes the furthest when travelling? Yes. Um, I mean, Indonesia, we, we talked about, I remember yeah. being like struck by how how good value that is. Um, where else? I mean, Mexico oh. is, is a brilliant option as well, I feel like, if you're on a bit of a budget. Yeah. Um, and and some places in Eastern Europe, you know, like I went to um, Romania and it's actually oh, so yeah. cool and so cheap. Hidden that, gem. That's a really good spot if you like skiing because you can go oh, skiing yeah. really cheaply. And um, yeah, it's just like fantastic food and, and really beautiful and yeah, amazingly cheap. 
Okay. Uh, I've got one question I forgot to ask. How many countries have you travelled to? Well, I haven't done I haven't done a tally lately. I feel oh. like yeah. So I actually haven't got a clue. I think how many have you been to? Fifty, I think, is my roughly around that. Yeah. How many are there in the world? Hundred. Oh god, I'm gonna get crucified for this. <laughs> I think it's oh, hundred ninety-seven. I reckon I've probably been to about forty. Okay. Dees. Yeah. Dees. Yeah. <laughs> oh god yeah that's an english term isn't it um i don't use i don't use that in canada maybe because i'm speaking someone's english <laughs> okay uh penultimate question is actually where can we find kate wills uh, can you give us some information where we can find you social media website etc yes so my website is kate-wills.com yeah and i'm on instagram at kate wills writes cool and I'll put those in the show notes so people can access them links. And the final question, which I always finish on is if someone's like thinking about this, this is great for you. Actually, it's a good question. Maybe they're a female who's maybe looking to travel. Could be solo, could be with someone, but just not quite sure. Maybe a bit, bit scared or a bit, bit fearful. Like what advice can you give them to maybe think you should definitely go? Yeah, I think it's good if you're thinking about solo travel. I think it's good to like train yourself up a little bit at home before you go. So like, you know, take yourself out for dinner on your own, go to a gallery, go to a museum, like do do some solo trips in your hometown first. And then the other thing I think is is just to just to try it, you know, like maybe do like a short short weekend trip, book it up a bit so that you know where you're going to be hitting and 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 you kind of feel organized and and secure in that sense and yeah just give it a try you might like really find that you that you love it and uh and that's certainly what happened for me okay yeah so start small and then just work yeah if you love it yeah. keep doing more and more, more. yeah exactly. don't like you know book around the world ticket straight, into, straight into beijing yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I go to Beijing with no money, no phone. The wrong money. <laughs> yeah, don't don't do that. So yeah, you're already ahead, like you say. <laughs> Kate, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate you making time to come on the podcast. It's been a really good fun. That was such a pleasure to talk about travel with someone who's equally passionate about it, and you've made me feel so inspired to explore some of those places that you've mentioned. So thank you. No, really thank you. It's been great, and we'll catch you soon. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.